Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Well, happy Thanksgiving week to everybody. Uh, This, of course, is the week where we take time to give thanks to God. Really, every day is Thanksgiving Day, if we think about it that way. But today on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we are going to talk about several different aspects as it relates to Thanksgiving. Uh, The types of things that we are thankful for, how as Christians we should be viewing uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, And on top of that, though, we're also going to later on in this podcast address some really difficult, heavy questions about giving thanks to God in all things when sometimes life seems so difficult that it's difficult to give thanks. You know, what do you do when God doesn't seem to make sense and you're not feeling very thankful to God? We're going to explore all of that, too, and have a serious discussion on this uh, with, of course, John Rush out of Denver, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, uh, great talking to you. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Bob. Bob. Hey, good talking to you. you as well, Bob. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I I think about Thanksgiving, and really, we know as believers, we're to give thanks in all things. So every day is is Thanksgiving Day really for us. But, you know, this is a day that's been kind of set aside by our country to specifically devote to giving thanks to God for the many blessings that we have. And, you know, I, I guess I got to thinking a little bit about Thanksgiving itself, the history of it, Uh, how this even started. I mean, George Washington gave the first presidential proclamation of Thanksgiving, and then Abraham Lincoln did, and then, of course, since then, all presidents have. But have you guys ever given any thought before to what that first Thanksgiving must have been like? You know, the the settlers, the pilgrims, the Wampanoag tribe, uh, how many of those settlers uh, ended up dying through that harsh winter that I mean, you know, Neil. Let me toss this over to you. First of all, sometimes it's scary to think about how blessed we really, truly are in this country. What it's like to gather together at the Thanksgiving table today, and then we contrast that to what the Pilgrims, what the Mayflower settlers, what what they had to go through, and how difficult of a time that had to be. Yet still giving thanks to God in the midst of all of it. Yeah, and, you know, for whatever reason, as you were saying that, my mind flashed back to a a trip I took one time to the Dominican Republic to be on a short-term mission trip. And, you know, it was my first encounter with extreme poverty. And there are places in the world that may be worse off, but, I mean, I saw people living in tin huts and cardboard boxes and all kinds of stuff. And I just remember thinking how grateful I was for for the things I've been blessed with, but I also saw gratitude in, in those folks, and it was amazing. But you're right. I mean, living here in the West and particularly in North America, um, we have been abundantly blessed. So it's almost mind-boggling to think back to what life might have been like when you didn't know, honestly, if you were going to wake up in the morning or contract some kind of an illness that would take your life because in the absence of antibiotics and proper medical care and stuff, the life expectancy was so short. Mm. And yet, in the middle of all those things there was a pause to give thanks, and that actually warms my heart. It reminds us that, that we ought to be giving thanks all the time, not just one day a year, as you suggested earlier. Right, so true. And, I mean, Roger, to toss this over to you, uh, I mean, think about the contrast of what Thanksgiving is like for us 
here in America compared to what that first Thanksgiving was like for them. I mean, it, sometimes it, it's just it's hard to wrap your brain around just how difficult they had it. And by the way, there are people living that very way right now all around the world. And yet, you know what? They're still giving thanks to the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet in this country, sometimes we have uh, we have to set aside a special day to remind ourselves, oh, let me give thanks to the Lord when people are suffering this immensely around the world and they're thanking him every day. Oh, yeah. And, and to Neil's point, too, it's hard for us to wrap our brains around what it was like you know, back in the 17th century. And I think about that first Thanksgiving as we recognize it and as we typically celebrate it because of the fact that it was basically a festival. It went on for you know two, three days. And the fact that there were actually more Native Americans than pilgrims there shows that everybody was taking into consideration the hand of some kind of providential guidance that was providing for them. And as, you know, we sit here and let's with the modern conveniences we have, we're in four different states talking over the internet. And sometimes a real crisis for us is if the internet hookup goes out. So, I mean, I, to Neil's point <laughs> earlier, and I echo your sentiments too, Bob, uh, we, don't, we don't have any problems compared to what they had. But at the same time, that does diminish our capacity to give thanks or to say, hey, why don't we get together and, and, and just give thanks to God for the fact that we're here. And we've been blessed. And this is a great day and this is a great time and a great situation. It is interesting to me that from George Washington through Abe Lincoln, this was not a national holiday. It it was kind of celebrated intermittently. I mean, it seems to me that we would be thanking God for all those years. But, uh, you know, it just kind of shows the depravity of man has still been present even in the United States of America ever since our founding. So true. John, John, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you guys said is very true. I think the thing we also have to... Remember, and there's times I have to even go back and read, you know, the account because we, you know, we get so caught up in what we're doing each year and even each day here in the United States, in modern, you know, modern United States, I should say. But back then, the majority of the people in attendance were men, teenagers, and some children because most of the women had died, you know, that previous winter. So, you know, if you see pictures of a bunch of women at that particular event that's not not really a a true picture because uh, the, you know there's written accounts where the majority of the women you know passed away the the prior year and again just thinking through the hardships that they had and yet and I know we're going to talk about this later with all the hardships they had still giving thanks to God and they had a prayer you know before the meal and after the meal as well doing exactly what we're talking about thanking the Lord for you know for for the provisions for what they had and the life that they had and and, and you know I think in our our world today, at least is how I see it, we owe those men and women so much. And I realize that, you know, lots of things happened since, and, you know, you, you can't say that it was all them, but had they not had the fortitude and the ability to do what they did and settle this country, you know, we we would all not be here. And who knows if we, you know, even if somebody else had settled it, who knows if we'd be speaking English today. Right. Yeah, very true. Very true. You know, another thing, and this is a little bit more lighthearted than, than some of the serious stuff we're talking about right now. Do you ever think about what the food was like back then and how different it was than today? I mean, seriously. They, they, uh, my guess is they did not have pumpkin pie. They probably didn't have sweet potato casserole with brown sugar sprinkled on top and maybe some marshmallows. Stop, Bob. Stop. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I mean, you know, let's, let's face it. And, but here's the most important thing uh, that I want to find out. The cranberry sauce. Is there anybody out there with me? that prefers 
the pasty cranberry sauce out of a can that looks like cat food coming out that still has the <laughs> the can-shaped ripples on it as it that to me is the best kind of processed cranberry sauce not the real stuff with big chunky pieces of cranberry in them that you have to chew. My family thinks I'm nuts. They have to get a can of this paste only to appease me. But please tell me I'm not alone here. Well, as far as uh, I'm concerned, you're alone. Yeah, you're alone. I'm a cranberry guy, period. So yeah. You guys are all on your own on the cranberries. I, 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 don't, I don't eat them. You so can I have mine, too. <laughs> I thought at least one of you guys would be right and godly in uh-uh. this, but apparently no. not. But apparently not. No. Here it comes now. Will not one of you stay awake with... No, never mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I, I know we got a lot of serious, heavy things to talk about. And I just thought, well, you know what? Let's have a little bit of lighthearted fun to, yeah. to inject well, you know, in the, this, the, too. You know, Bob, yeah. along the Along those lines, too, though, you know, the thing that we forget is, and, and, and there's again, this is documented. You know, they had seafood and things like that at that meal, which you know we, you know, again, we don't, you know, we've gone this traditional having turkey, ham, things along those lines, but they probably had, you know, shrimp, lobster, things along those lines. Right. No, very true. Very true. Actually, if you go back and look at the menu that that they had, and I've done some research on this. Very, not very similar to to our menus today at all. I mean, it is possible that they were eating turkey, but uh, and it's probably assumed not. that they probably may have, but we don't really know. Did, uh, side note here. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna access my inner Cliff Clavin. I don't know if anybody gets that <laughs> reference, but uh, did you guys know that uh, Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey? To be the official bird of the United States, not the eagle, and he was actually voted down. Anybody know that? I heard that. Uh, I, I heard. heard that. I, I didn't know if it was substantiated, but I did hear that. You know what? Who knows? For all I know, that could be the same kind of urban legend as uh, George Washington chopping down the ter- cherry tree. You know, who knows? But uh, that seems to be part of it. Uh, what about uh, what about Thanksgiving traditions? I mean, what do you guys do? I know tomorrow at our house we're having uh, the boys all over to the house, and so the family's going to be there, and we'll have you know the big. Uh, shebang at the house. You guys have any interesting Thanksgiving traditions, or is it just pretty much all right? Time to get together with the in-laws. I'll just jump in and say that one of the big uh, traditions that we've had around our house over the years is playing football on Thanksgiving morning. Now, I know oh, that there's wow. a lot of people that like to hunt, but uh, since the time I was a kid, you know, in our neighborhood, we went out and we played football on Thanksgiving morning, and so at high school fields and uh, elementary school fields and wherever there was some green grass to play on or snow depending on what the weather was like uh, guys would be out playing either touch or tackle football and I actually my when my boys were growing up we did you know I included them as early as I could they got them involved and I'm 59 now but my last year playing tackle football was at the age of 55 so it was hard to to let it go and and actually uh, the guys who are all much younger than me who played in that game gave me a little plastic gold spray painted turkey trophy and inducted me into the thanksgiving day (laughs) football hall of fame so anyway that's a tradition and then i mean obviously kind of hanging out after the meal and just fellowshipping and it's one of the reasons i actually like thanksgiving better than christmas because there's way less trappings it's just about in my mind some food and fellowship and i i love the simplicity of it yeah that's great 59, though. That's not bad. You should get out there and still play. Actually, I'm 59, too, so I guess we're the uh, the old guys in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm done. I, I hung them up. Did you? All right. You know what? Actually, the last time I played football with my boys was about, was about 10 years ago. And if I remember right, I think this might have been Thanksgiving, too. I can't remember. Tore my ACL 
uh, while oh, no. playing. Uh, complete, <laughs> oh. complete sever, actually complete sever, and the meniscus was completely torn. So much so that my, my, uh, the bone, the the lower part of the bone below the knee, can't remember what that's called, the fibia and tibia or whatever. Uh, anyway, it. Um, uh, it actually dislodged and it stuck out to the side, and I had to push it back in at the point of my knee. <laughs> nice. Okay, it wow. was really out there on yeah. the field. But you know what? Hey, I was a tough guy, and that's how it works. And you get up and you walk into the hospital like a man or like an idiot. Either, I mean, it's either, <laughs> either way of looking at it, I suppose. So, so that was my uh, Thanksgiving uh, tradition. Uh, what, what about you, other guys? Anything else? No, I mean, you know, it, I'm envious of you guys a little bit. I think you know when you're self-employed and family business and there's lots going on along those lines and for this time of the year especially we're you know very busy knowing you know I do other things outside of radio hosting and so on one of my uh, businesses is snow removal and this time of year we can have you know big snow like we just had which you know typically for us Thanksgiving is just sort of a day of rest and recuperation and and getting together as a family and enjoying each other's company, but we don't we don't really do any of the other things you guys are talking about, probably because of how things are this time of the year for us. Yeah, John, we just got to drag you out onto the field, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we Played go. Played football in high school, so I would love to. Yeah, probably yeah. probably would. Uh, Roger, you got anything uh, really fun planned for tomorrow? Not really. I mean, the thing about our situation with the family is uh, my brother lives in a different state, so my parents always travel to visit him. My sister's a nurse. She works all day because that's what she likes to do on holidays. My kids are older and grown, and they do things with their respective other families. So we uh, Christmas is kind of our day. Thanksgiving yeah. is the day where we kind of go and celebrate with other families. So that's that's part of the tradition. Maybe as more grandkids show up, we'll start some new traditions. And, and who knows? You guys have inspired me. Maybe I should be out there throwing the football around, too, even though I'm much younger than uh, than Neil and Bob at 58. Well, you know, so you I, kids I today. <laughs> I mean, really, really, Neil, these kids today, they think of it. I know. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's do this uh, short break, and then we're going to continue talking about Thanksgiving. We're going to get into some of the things that uh, we're really thankful for and and, because we do want to take this opportunity to give thanks to God and kind of remind people of how much we really do have to be thankful for. But then also a little bit later on, uh, what about people going through really difficult trial and pain and they're not feeling terribly thankful right now? How do we handle stuff like that and talk with them about it? So uh, more coming up after the break here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg in Truth For Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, this Thanksgiving week, as we talk with Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, John Rush out of Denver, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. And so, guys, let's talk about the things that we really are thankful for. We do have so much to thank the Lord for, for what he's given us. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think we can all agree the ultimate number one thing to be thankful for is salvation through Jesus Christ. I mean, God Mm -hmm. coming to earth to take on human form, to shed his blood so that we can be forgiven of our sins and reconciled unto him. 
this is a tremendous gift that God has given us. So I know that's the ultimate default thing to be thankful for, of course. Uh, But there are a lot of lesser blessings that we've been so blessed with in, in this country, really, and in our lives. And honestly, one of them that comes out to me is just the blessings that we have to live in America, the freedoms that we have, the liberties that we have, uh, that we take for granted until you go to some other countries around the world. And then you come back to this country and you get off the plane, you want to kiss the ground. Uh, we really do have a tremendous amount of a blessing in this nation, the provision that we have, uh, so much that we have in this nation. And sometimes, uh, guys, I think we just lose sight of it. And, and Neil, to toss this back over to you, anybody who's traveled the world, and I know we all have, there is something about coming back to this country and realizing, look how much God has given us. Look at the freedoms and liberties that we have in this country, and look how easy it is for us to take it for granted and still end up complaining every day. Yeah, and there's far too much complaining on the part of folks who live here in the West, and, and all of us, we're all guilty of it too at times, you know, just waking up wishing that the sun was shining, but instead it's a gloomy day outside, and those things are just so minor compared to what we've been offered. Uh, you mentioned, you know, being in other parts of the world, and then even the conversation we had here about what the first Thanksgiving might have looked like, whether it was, you know, in the 1500s or the 1600s, because I guess there was some Thanksgiving kind of stuff happening in Florida, or what is now Florida, back in the 1500s. But I, you're right, and I think the 1600s are where we really credit the, the origins of Thanksgiving. But what what struck me about that conversation, and just listening to some of you guys share your own thoughts about what might have been going on there, is that even though they may have had some lobster and seafood, which I enjoy, um, and those were blessings, they were hard to come by. I mean, it wasn't like you just jump in a motorized boat and get out there, you know, to your crab pots and pull in the, the crab, or, you know, that you run down the, the store to uh, run down the street to the local supermarket and pick up uh, a frozen turkey or something. The access that to any blessing that they had was so hard to come by. Because there, were, there was no stores, and there was no road to the stores if there had been a store. So everything, everything kind of came from scratch in a way. Like, the, you know, even tools to work the ground had to be manufactured, and there was no plants to do that. So everything, everything really came down to uh, what, what, what was made available to them on a daily basis and what they were going to do with it. And so, you know, I think one of the great things that I'm thankful for is the idea that we have opportunity, that we have breath in our lungs, mm-hmm. that the sun comes up every single morning and that God's mercy is new, and that we have the opportunity to make something of the situation uh, that's been provided for us. Because you're right, I mean, we, we have been given an abundance of things, you know, uh, material things, and we have automobiles and televisions and technology and churches to worship in, and all of those things are things, but what are we going to do with them? And I think opportunity... And a relationship with God and a relationship with others and breath in our lungs is really one of the greatest things in my mind to be grateful for. And, and I pray to God that I never overlook that reality because stuff changes. You know, technology will go away or our cars will break down. Sometimes relationships dissolve, unfortunately. But in the midst of all of it, we still have a God who loves us and an opportunity to do something with that relationship and the life that he's given us. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with all that, except to say that I just think that it's a it's, thinking about Thanksgiving goes way beyond just material objects, into huge concepts about you know the very opportunities God's placed before us. Mm, so true, yeah. Roger. What, yeah. what what do you find yourself being thankful for? 
I, I'm most grateful for uh, and echoing every sentiment that Neil just made. I, I'm grateful for the the liberty that we have. I think that one of the things that frustrates me about modern culture is how many people don't understand what liberty really means. You know, the idea that we have the the, the freedom, that we have the opportunities to pursue what we are called to do. I mean, this goes back to how God made us and you know the gifts and talents that He gives us. And uh, I'm grateful that the four of us have had the opportunity to pursue our ministries here in broadcasting, for example, mm -hmm. where this is not an opportunity that a lot of people get. And yet, I think everyone has the opportunity to try it. Now, I was hoping when I was younger that I'd have the opportunity to play NBA basketball. Um, but for some reason, a two-inch vertical leap kind of that just knocked it right out in high school. Um, but well, you got a two-inch leap. Hey, well, that's, that's right. double mine, yeah. so okay. Yeah, right. You're 6'3", and people are blocking your shot without leaving their feet. You're in big trouble. <laughs> that's right? embarrassing. But it really is. But but I still have the opportunity to try to the sport, to play the sport, to you know interact with other people, and to figure out for myself, hey, this is not for me. So, I mean, having the, but having the liberty to say, look, we're going to have a conversation, four guys here talking about our faith, talking about Thanksgiving, that, that, that's a wonderful opportunity for us that, that you don't get in other countries. And, and so I, 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 I remember the words of uh, Don Crawford Sr., the owner of Crawford Broadcasting, talking about his dad every time he came back into the U.S. And he was one of those kiss the ground guys. You know? and, and I think that we don't do that enough, but I'm, I'm getting very patriotic, but also uh, you know, feeling kind of biblical about it, too, in this moment. That uh, I, I, I'm, I think I'm so grateful for the liberty that we have, and the older I get, uh, the more I really appreciate it, especially as I see people who don't fully understand it. Right. You know, and, and actually, Neil, John, before we get to you, Neil, that, that's really consistent, I guess, with the point that you were making. And I know we go to go to a short break here, uh, but th that's something that I think that we need to continue to get out on the table here, the, the things that we really are thankful for. So it doesn't just end up yeah. being a once a year thing, but we remind ourselves every day of this. Absolutely, and there's some there's something I want to add to that. But let, and you mentioned the break. Let's take it right now because I may get carried away here afterwards. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. We're talking about Thanksgiving and the opportunity we have to be grateful in every circumstance. There's way more to come, so stick around, and we'll continue with the National Crawford Roundtable right after this. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gray. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. My name is Neil Boron. Bob Duco is in Detroit, uh, John Rush in Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh in Southern California. I'm here in Buffalo, New York, and we're talking about uh, Thanksgiving and being grateful. And, you know, in light of, um, I mean, we talked about the earliest Thanksgiving celebrations but uh, the, the word liberty came up just a moment ago. Roger was talking about that for a bit. Uh, I'm grateful for the freedom, of course, that we have to speak and to assemble and to worship, and all of those things are guaranteed by our Constitution. So we've been blessed abundantly in those areas, and I'm sure there's going to be more to say about those things. But the truth is, the first opportunity we had to exercise liberty actually happened in the Garden. And, uh, you know, God gave Adam and Eve an opportunity to choose which trees they wanted to eat from. And basically he said, everything in this garden is yours, but this one tree here called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, I'm placing it in your midst and I'm asking you not to eat from it because if you do, you will surely die. And what's interesting about that is that God, first of all, put it there, 
which gave them real choice. Like, uh, not only could they choose from any tree that, uh, you know, that provided this kind of abundance. Um, I mean, God was saying, all of this is for your blessing, but this one here, this one will bring you pain, so don't, don't eat from it. But what it represents to me is that God gave us legitimate choice. And so when I think about that, and it's kind of a hard concept to wrap your brain around, but it means, in my mind, that we're not robots, that God created us with a free will, and that it was part of his, his love for us. Because if, if we were forced to love him and auto-programmed to love him and all we could do was obey him, if we didn't have the opportunity to do our own thing or disobey, then in, a, in fact we would be robots. But God loved us enough to authenticate that love by providing us with real choice. And so I think the concept, the very concept of liberty uh, and freedom begins with what God offered to Adam and Eve in the garden. And of course, they chose poorly and it cost them dearly and we've been paying the consequences ever since. And yet God in his love sent a redeemer. And there's a great deal to be thankful for there as well. We can talk about that in greater detail. But I guess I just wanted to get back to the idea that I'm so grateful for liberty because it encompasses way more than just our experience here in North America. It encompasses who we are as human beings in light of an almighty God who loved us enough to not make us into robots. I don't right. think I'd like being a robot very much. No, nah, probably would probably be all be, we'd be lousy at it too. I and mean, that's no, that's no fun. Uh, John, I mean, what's your take on this? When you sit back and you think about the things that you're thankful for, what's some of the big stuff that comes to mind? You know, a lot of what you guys said is, you know, spot on. And I don't want to, you know, I don't need to belabor that because everything you guys just said is, is very true. I mean, I wake up every morning and, you know, thank the Lord for several things, you know. And I know this is going to sound funny, but I thank the Lord I'm a man because I never want to be a woman. No, no offense, <laughs> but I enjoy being a man. So I thank the Lord every day I'm a man. So Eve I did think- mess it up worse for the gender than Adam did, right? <laughs> That's right. I'm That's with you. Fact. I am That's with you. Fact. So I'm very, very thankful to be a man, very thankful to have lived, you know, be born, lived, and grow up in a country as great as the one that we live in. Even with all of the problems that we think we have at times in this country, it's still the greatest place on the entire globe to live as far as I'm concerned. And I think anybody would have a hard time, you know, arguing that. So I'm very thankful for that. Of course, thankful for family, friends, even like you guys and the experiences in life that, you know, that we get to encounter. And... You know, and I think on top of that, you know, the, the economic freedoms that we have in this country, and I know that sounds materialistic, but, you know, but bear with me. Because of the economic freedoms that we have and the ability for us to do things with the, the economy of scale, if you would, that we end up in our own lives and the ability to touch people around the world. I mean, the United States of America, which most people forget, is the most giving nation on the planet always has been, and frankly, I believe will go down in history as being the number one nation that gave itself away more than any other nation known to mankind since Mm -hmm. God created this green earth. And I think, you know, the ability to live in this country and experience all that we have, I just, I know for me daily, I wake up and say, I'm just very thankful I'm able to live here. Mm, yeah, so true. Well, let's do this, because there's a few other things, obviously, we want to talk about as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the proclamations of Thanksgiving, presidential proclamations, but then we're also going to have a very honest and serious discussion about pain and suffering in this world and how we handle the times when it seems like it's hard to give 
Thanks. So we'll continue that in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up. Uh, if you would like to listen to the second half, and for that matter, the entire podcast, you can get it at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. You can also find it online at CrawfordBroadcasting.com. Continuing on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line out of Southern California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, uh, myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. And gentlemen, as we talk about Thanksgiving this Thanksgiving week, uh, and I know we're going to be talking about some serious uh, heavy issues in life coming up, but one of the things I wanted to, to bring out and get you guys take on is in this country, in America, one of the things that unfortunately we've seen happen in our culture is a rewriting of history because the founding of this land as well as the founding of this nation woven into that has always been a dependence upon Almighty God. But if you look in the school history books today, you're not going to see this information. You know, like, for example, the Mayflower Compact of 1620. This was the, the very first agreement between the settlers at New Plymouth. And here's what they said in the open of this, quote, In the name of God, amen, we whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, got to get past all the King James language here, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith, and having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, in honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. I mean, they declared the purpose for coming here was to ed for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. And we see this consistently through American history leading up to the time of the American Revolution itself. Most people don't even know that one of the rallying cries of the American Revolution was no king but King Jesus. That's actually documented in the Massachusetts Historical Society, but you're never going to read that in school history books. We mentioned George Washington and presidential proclamations earlier. Uh, I read, I'm holding a copy right now of George Washington's presidential proclamation of Thanksgiving. It's three short paragraphs. In those three short paragraphs, he references God 14 times, and his opening statement is, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. I mean, here's George Washington sending out a message that says, it's not just for us here in America. It's the duty of all nations to acknowledge Almighty God and obey his will. Now, fast forward to today, 2019, I do my show in Michigan, and uh, I'm looking right now at the Thanksgiving proclamation from our governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, here in Michigan, and the name of God does not appear anywhere uh, in this proclamation, anywhere. I think about Barack Obama, his first year as president, his first Thanksgiving proclamation was the very first presidential proclamation ever that did not include the name God. Actually, it was in there one time, only in a quote from George Washington, but from President Obama, he didn't mention God at all, and he encouraged people to give thanks, not to God, but to give thanks to those who have enriched your lives. In other words, give thanks to other people 
that have enriched your lives but not to God. Uh, so I, I have to tell you, folks, and I know I'm getting on kind of a lamenting rant here, but I think it's really sad that our country has rewritten history and has moved farther and farther away from a dependence and a reliance upon Almighty God. And I'd like to think that maybe uh, Thanksgiving can be a time where we turn that back around again and start reminding people that giving thanks is not just some generic phrase that we throw out there. There is, uh, there is a source by which we are blessed that we give thanks to, and that source, John Rush, is God. Yep, no, you're exactly right, Bob. There's, there's no other... No, no other being, no other uh, person out there that we should be thanking for the things that we have. And, and again, that's what we as Christians believe, and I think it's important as not just Thanksgiving. I, guys, I think this is something that daily we need to be looking at. I know we're going to talk about, you know, how do you do this when, when life is at its worst. But I, I think to keep that first and foremost in the front of our minds, not the back of our minds, but the front of our minds, that everything you just said, Bob, is exactly right. And even the, the proclamation of the original pilgrims saying that, you know, this is the duty of every nation, literally, to, procro- to proclaim that and to, you know, to honor God and live our lives accordingly. It's something in this country, frankly, we've, we have almost forgotten. We really have. And, Roger, I mean, you look at the, uh, you look at the history books in the schools today, you're not going to see any of this kind of stuff. You're, you're not going to see where George Washington, on May 12, 1779, addressed the Delaware Indian chiefs, and he specifically told them, quote, you would do well to wish to learn our arts and ways, but above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. This will make you a greater and happier people than you already are. Congress will do everything they can to assist you in this wise intention. Can you imagine the outrage if President Trump was speaking to a group of religious people, whether they're Native Americans or anyone else, and said, you know something? You'll be a lot happier if you would accept Jesus Christ. And Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Congress will do everything they can to assist you in learning about Jesus. I mean, can you imagine the outrage that would be going on from groups like the ACLU? But this is the actual history of our country that's been whitewashed from our history books, Roger. Yeah, well, I was just chuckling over the fact that Nancy Pelosi would be involved in something like helping people grow deeper in their faith in Christ, because it seems yeah. like every time she'll make some crazy left-wing statement, then it's like, but I'm a good Catholic, and so I'm, I, you know, I, I kind of go back <sighs> and forth on that. But then again, we're used to that because she represents the people of the People's Republic of California, and at least your governor in Michigan gave a, some kind of proclamation regarding Thanksgiving. Our governor here, Kevin Newsom, gave a proclamation uh, declaring this Native American History Month. So really? I don't know that we're, yeah, I don't think we're even going to get, well, because that's what we're not really even celebrating, Not even a Thanksgiving right? proclamation? Not even a token yeah. Thanksgiving proclamation? Nope. No, that, it's, because it's all wow. about the Native Americans. It's all about the poor and the oppressed. You know, Greg Kokel wrote a book about 10 years ago called Tactics. And one of the things that he just came out with a new updated edition of it. And one of the things he talks about is he's got a whole chapter on what he calls reversing the burden of proof. And to your point about, you know, what it would be like if the president of the United States said, I think you should become a Christian or you should at least, you know, hear the gospel message because it'll transform your life. We've seen this happen just over even the past decade where the the topic of conversation with regard to including God and Thanksgiving and faith and providence and the Thanksgiving proclamation has been politically correctly wiped out of our memory. And we had a bill here years ago, SB 48, to your point about what about George Washington and what are kids being taught? The most important thing, it seems, for California educators would be, was George Washington gay? 
They didn't have any transgender soldiers. Wow. I mean, they're rewriting the textbooks to include that kind of language. So that's where they are. And one of the things that Greg talks about in his book, he says, we have to get to the point where we in the body of Christ can start asking questions about our faith in other people and, and, and asking what questions? Like, well, what led you to that point? Or, and rather than just coming at them and saying, well, here's the Constitution. Read it, darn it, because it's all in here. You know, Here's the original proclamation. We have to be a lot more intentional about reversing the burden of proof because the prevailing assumption right now is no one celebrates Thanksgiving. Every American hates the fact that we overran the Native Americans. Nobody wants to be, you know, inundated with biblical truth. And I think therein lies the rub for a lot of where the conversation is, is us just kind of having a reset and saying, okay, we, to, to, to Neil's point, liberty goes back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, it mm. didn't start in 1776 in Philadelphia. I mean, this is, these are biblical concepts we're talking about and fighting for. Right. Uh, Neil, what's, what's your take on that? The, the, the uh, whitewashing of our history, and so many of our kids today is in school, they have no idea how God and faith in Jesus Christ was woven into the founding of not just this land, but this country and the history of this country. Well, it's sad for sure, and and it's troubling, but it also provides the church, I think, a very clear understanding of what our role is to be in society as salt and light of the earth. Because I think sometimes we have relied on human institutions to do the work of the church, and the church isn't a human institution, it's a God-given institution. He designed it, he created it, like he did the family, and even civil government, of course, was his idea, but the point is that God uh, has given the church a mandate, and that is to speak truth and to do it in love. And so I, I think it's lamentable that this is going on, and yet it's not, shouldn't be surprising. I mean, when you read the Word, you know, the Word is full of information about deceivers and those who would come and those who would proclaim that there is no God. And what I really think it boils down to, honestly, since we're talking about the Garden, is the idea that, um, that mankind wants to blame God, you know, that, that ultimately... Along the way, we've experienced pain in whatever form it comes, and humanity throughout the years has experienced pain and loss and suffering, and we want to blame it on someone. And it's, it's kind of easy to blame God. First of all, we can't see him, but secondly, if he exists, and I'm saying in the minds of some, if he exists and he's supposedly all-powerful, then why doesn't he stop this stuff? And I know this kind of leads us into where we're headed with the rest of our conversation, but right. I, think, I think it's founded in, an, on a, in a... A foundational mistrust of God. Like, if he was there and he existed and he really loves us, then he would never let this happen. So some come to the conclusion that there is no God, or others come to the conclusion that God is bad and he's responsible for this stuff. So we have to, as humans, kind of huddle together and find ways to make this thing work. We have to sort of uh, put, you know, bubble wrap around ourselves um, politically, legally and otherwise and physically even so that no one ever gets hurt no one ever experiences pain and that's i think where the whole progressive movement is going the idea that we can be our own gods and it's incredibly troubling in that sense because we know where that ends you know right. that was the basis of the fall in the beginning and so mm -hmm. yeah we as believers need to stand against it continue to speak out and tell the truth and live for this king that we serve but um right. yeah it's it's scary and it's troubling. Well, you know what, Roger? Let me toss it over to you because I know we got to take a short break here. But but uh, let's kind of shift the discussion to what Neil is talking about here. There's a lot of people out there that are saying, "Hey, it's Thanksgiving and everybody's being all thankful." But 
I'm wondering where God even is and is he even there because look at all the pain and suffering in the world. Look what's going on in my own life. And these are difficult times for them. And so how do yeah. we handle stuff like that? That's, that's a tough thing, Roger, for people to deal with. But we're getting together with family over the holidays. And you know, let's face it, we need to be able to kind of answer these questions too. Yeah, certainly do, and it's a great place for us to take a quick break and reset here, uh, along with Bob Duco, Neil Boron, and John Rush. I'm Roger Marsh, and you're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. This is the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, along with Bob Duco at the Bob Duco Show in Detroit, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live in Buffalo, New York, John Rush, Rush to Reason at uh, KLZ in Denver, Colorado, and myself, Roger Marsh, the Bottom Line Show here in Southern California. Uh, this Thanksgiving topic of conversation, uh, I, I've really enjoyed how we've kind of delved into the spiritual side and the sentimental side but there is a sinister side of what's happening in the world right now i'm sure there are a lot of people who are looking at the holiday and saying well yeah but doesn't it seem like there's a mass shooting reported every week you know i mean what about the you know the the sex trafficking cases what about the fact even in the church that christians are the most most persecuted people group now Bob, I'll kick this back to you How, what's a good place for us to start in terms of uh, you know when someone says well, how good is God and what good is God when we see all these offenses taking place? You know, I'll tell you, there, there's, there's not a good, quick, short answer to this. There really isn't, and I think we all know that. I think we have to be careful not to throw out the, the lighthearted platitudes and, well, you know, God works everything for good uh, for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, or, you know, oh, God has a purpose. God has his way. I mean, people are going through pain and suffering and we need to let them know that God is there in the midst of this. Now, there are some theological realities that we can try to explain to people as best as possible. Yes, God does give us free will. We're not robots. Part of that free will means the consequences that come with free will. So we do live in a fallen world. And there is pain, there is suffering, there is sorrow. And God in his purposes knows that for whatever reason, this is a good and necessary thing for humanity to experience, but it also shows us the ugliness of sin, the ugliness of pain that comes from it, but it contrasts with the great joy and complete lack of pain that will exist for all of eternity in heaven. And so he does love us. He's with us. He doesn't promise us that he's going to uh, keep our lives Free of pain. We live in a fallen world, and so we're going to experience the pain of living in a fallen, sin-filled world. But that doesn't mean that, no, he doesn't remove us from it. He doesn't insulate us from it, but he walks with us through this. He comforts us through this. He loves us through this, and he's prepared a place in heaven for us where we never have to experience any of this anymore. This is temporary. Now, we can talk about the theology of this, but that isn't necessarily going to make somebody's 
you know, pain go away. Look, when I buried my daughter, okay, there, there's no amount of scripture that someone could quote to me that would make me go, oh, I don't feel the pain anymore. No, mm-hmm. the pain is there. And so we need to acknowledge the reality of people's confusion, their doubt, their pain, their sorrow, their suffering, and just let them know, look, I love you. I am praying for you. I'm with you. Uh, I'm so sorry for what you're going through and how difficult this is. And we just need to remember that we trust in God, not because he gives us what we want when we want it, but we trust in God because of who he is. We trust in God because he is God. He's God. I'm not. And really, it comes down to, for me, a gut check question. Time I've asked this before. Why do I worship the Lord? Is it for what I can get out of him or is it because he is God? Uh, if it's only for what I can get out of him, if I'm going to turn my back on God because I'm confused by pain and suffering in my own life or in the world, then what that really means is I don't worship God for who he is. I only worship God for what he does for me and how much sense he makes to me. And that doesn't make God my God. That makes me my God. And so I do believe that there is a certain measure of spiritual maturity that we need to have that that conditions us to make it not about ourselves, but about God and trusting in him and his purposes. Uh, none of that is going to assuage the pain that somebody's going through, especially if they have tragedy in their lives. But I think we at least need to come from the reality and the worldview of that truth. And then any comfort that we pres- provide would be at least through that lens and, and, and through that filter. And, and, but this is a tough question. And I mean, John, let me throw it to you. I mean, what, do you what do you do when you, you get together with family during the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and they're like, you know, how can a good God let this stuff happen? And everything you just said, Bob, is, is true. I mean, we, we have to remind them that we live in a fallen world, and, and we live in a fallen world because of the choices that were made, you know, not to get too theological here, but original sin and all of the things that go along with that, you, you know, you, you can't get too deep with certain individuals because they may not even understand, you know, what we're referring to, but the reality is, you know, we live in a fallen world. Sin is here. Choices are made. Some of those choices end up affect. well, all choices end up affecting another human being. There's not a choice made that doesn't have an effect on someone else in your life. And because of those choices, you know, in a lot of cases, bad things happen. And I don't mean, you know, because of a health issue, somebody made a bad choice. Please don't, don't anybody out there listening, take it that way. But I think even when it comes to disease and things like that, there are situations, guys, where it's because of choices we've made and the fact that we live in a fallen world that those things happen. And I think if there's anything that, that I try to do, and I'm, and I'll be honest, guys. I'm not the best at this because my personality is not one that does well in these particular areas. But the one thing I'm trying to do better at, and the one thing I'm trying to learn, is when somebody is hurting and somebody needs something, is to not give them all the advice in the world and all the excuses in the world and all the things that you think they want to hear. The biggest mm-hmm. thing most people want to hear when they're hurting is just, "Hey, you know what? I'm here and I'm listening," and then right. shut up. Right. So true. Uh, Neil, let's toss this over to you. Okay, uh, you know, be the pastor here. What do we, you know, how do we explain this when somebody, maybe a non-believer, at Thanksgiving or at Christmas, says, "I'm sorry, I'm just not feeling very thankful." I look at the pain and the suffering around the world. I see terrorism. I see children being murdered. I see rapes. I see uh, the loved one in our family who died of cancer, and I prayed, and God didn't answer that, and. How, how do we how do we handle this with them? 
Well, I don't think that there's an easy answer, as you said earlier. And in some ways, I would even argue that there really isn't an answer that we can give, that all of us are going to stand before the throne of God one day, and he'll explain why we went through what we went through. But I, I do believe it's linked to the fall, and I believe that obviously suffering and sin and brokenness entered the world at that point. And during this period in our history, remember God is eternal, so in a sense he doesn't have a history. He doesn't have a past, a present, or a future. He's, he just is. And he's in our future, like Casting Crown says. You know, he's already there. He can see what the end looks like. If you read the last chapter of the book of Revelation, we see how things turn out. But the, the day is coming when there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. In the meantime, life not only hurts, sometimes it sucks. Um, my wife, good friends with a woman she went to nursing school with, and we've been friends with them for four decades. And five years ago, their son took his own life. And, mm -hmm. you know, the questions are, how, uh, how did this happen? What, what occurred? Why did it, why, what? You know, and, and her constant response is, I don't know. I don't know. She hasn't landed on anything. She's certainly not healed. Um, her and her husband are, are still deeply wounded, and we've had to be in the place that you guys have described of just not trying to fix stuff, just sort of being with them in the pain and trust God to one day, you know, bring this to completion. And if, if it's not until the day we see Jesus, at least we know that day is coming, that, that, that there's hope for the future. And so I think one thing to kind of focus on is that is the future perspective, the idea that this isn't forever, it's for a period of time, and it, it doesn't make it easier to deal with, it doesn't make it go away, mm -hmm. but it does give us some perspective, maybe, um, that we certainly can learn things and definitely learn things about God in the midst of suffering. I'm thinking about Psalm 23, which virtually everyone who's ever attended a church has heard right. at a wedding or a funeral or something, you know, that, that there's this valley of the shadow of death, but we get the promise that God is with us in that place, and then he also says in the same passage that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He doesn't make the enemies go away, but he prepares a table for us. And I think what he's really saying is, I'm with you, and I will fellowship with you. I want to get to know you. You're going to get to know me in a way you never could have if you were only on the mountaintop. But here, in the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to get to know me. So there is a value in coming to know God in ways that we could never see him. And then lastly, I, I just say quickly, because there's... I think less is more here. I don't want to try to, to answer every question because I don't have the answers. And I think talking too much is going to be a problem as opposed to a benefit. But I do want to just say that I really think ultimately that um, God has given us the opportunity to experience him uh, personally and, that, and, and not just through encounters with him in his word or in prayer, but as, he's, as his love is demonstrated through other people. I, mean, I can tell you that on the worst day of my life, when I was ashamed and broken and looking for hope and help, uh, the darkest day of my soul is also the greatest day because it's the day I began to experience the unconditional love of God mm. and that it was yeah. demonstrated through other people. So here in our brokenness, we have the opportunity to love one another and forgive one another and work our way through the pain and literally see a physical demonstration of God's love right before our eyes, just as Jesus physically demonstrated his love on the cross. So I don't know, those are mm. a few initial thoughts but no, that's, that's it, it doesn't so make true. the pain go away but it provides some degree of comfort to know that there's more to it than just the pain we feel you know those are some really good words and you know john john rush let me toss this over to you because i know we got to go uh, to uh, one more break in just a moment but i'd like to shift the conversation now from not talking to people who are going through pain at that moment because i think everybody's right here if somebody's going through tragedy in their own lives 
that's not the time for platitudes, and it's it's not the time even for theological and doctrinal understandings of free will and whatever. We need to show them the love of Christ and comfort them and and, and pray for them and let them know God is there. But let's move the conversation away from those people to just maybe the cynical skeptics in our family who aren't going through a personal tragedy in their life, but they have a hard time accepting that God is a good God because they look at the pain and suffering around the world and they say, you know, how can you worship a God who is this cruel, who is this detached, who is the passive absentee God who allows this kind of suffering that he has the ability to stop, but he doesn't. So the person's not going through their own personal pain and tragedy. They are just seeing God in a negative light. Uh, John, I'll toss it over to you. Uh, and I know we've got to get into a break, but how do we handle stuff like that? Great question, guys. Let's do it. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org. And be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. All right, everyone, we're back. National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Roger Neal, and Bob. And Bob, a great question that you just threw out. And, and I think for me personally, the way I'd have to answer that would be if God stopped every tragedy from happening, then we'd live in the perfect world that we had at one time that we as mankind, through free will, messed up. So, you, you know, I can't sit here and say that, that God is absent because God's not absent. He's very present, but he has allowed us to have free will. And we go back to what we talked about earlier in the, in the podcast. I believe, personally, we have free will. I think it's the greatest gift known to mankind ever because it allows us the freedom to do exactly what we want to do. And I believe God created us with free will so that he would have beings that would love him for who he is, not because they had to. And, and, I, and I truly believe, I, I, I think you can read that in Scripture, that his heart is to have beings, to have us as humans love him for who he is, and not because we absolutely have to. That's why he gave us free will. The downside to free will is the things that we're talking about right now. There are tragic things that happen because of bad decisions and things that happen. You know, a drunk driver gets in a car, he drives on a highway, he runs head on into somebody else and takes a life. That's not God, that's mankind with the wrong choice at that time because of free will creating that situation. Now, can God take every situation and make something good of it? Yes, he does that every single day, and we need to be reminded of that. And, and overall, you have to look at the things that God does that are good on a daily basis, but does he allow bad things to happen? I believe he does because of the fall of mankind. Yeah, that's a good point. Roger, how do you answer this? What, what, what are you going to say to family members that, you know, cynical Uncle Ed who's like, ah, you know, this religion stuff, if your God is so good, then how come he allows the bad stuff to happen that he could stop if he doesn't want to? I, I mean, how do, we, how do we handle these guys? How do you handle them? Well, I want to handle this response carefully because I don't want to give people the impression, first of all, that we're giving a pat answer, or sure. secondly, that there's something God can't do. But to the point that Neil made and John has made, too, we've all been discussing, 
in the creation story in the book of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, God created the creatures of the sea and the, you know, the plants, everything, and mankind, and said that it was tov, that it was good. It was for what was it intended for. He gave mankind the liberty to choose, you know, how you're going to handle yourself in there because you're made in my image. You can touch everything here, just don't go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's where Adam and Eve went. So it would be, to me, inconsistent for a holy God to say, okay, well, you screwed up, but I'm going to keep making everything right for you here until, I mean, there had to be a way, a salvation plan to for those who could be redeemed. And that's not the answer I give Uncle Ed. I mean, Uncle Ed doesn't care about that. He just wants to make sure there's enough turkey left over for leftovers. In Very true. <laughs> but but in, terms of, in terms of the dialogue, you know, one of the questions I think that we can look at is, you know, if God is so good, I think one of the attributes of God that makes him so good is that he gave us free will. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever puts their faith in him, there's no limit on who can come to him, but there is a condition as to how you can come to him. And so it's, it's very, you know, it's a, it's, I love you unconditionally on one condition. And I know that's hard for some people to understand, but I think because God is good, there is evil in the world, and he doesn't just eliminate it right now. He does provide a pathway for each of us individually, and that's how he's choosing to redeem us. And so, you know, when someone says, look, I mean, your God here kind of lets everybody down. You know, I mean, if God is really so good, then everything would be wonderful. Well, that's the, assuming that I'm good, and I'm the standard for that. And so right. if God does everything I want him to do, then that, that he's a good God. But the reality is he's good, and I'm not. And so once I can make peace with that, then I understand that goodness is by his definition of it. And there are a lot of people in the world who aren't and, right. and, and may never be. So I mean, that's probably more of an egghead answer. And he'll just say, well, give me another turkey pot pie tomorrow and I'll be fine. <laughs> or probably. I mean, and, that's, and, and that's the case. But that, that's how I approach it anyway. That's the spirit with which I'm trying to address this thing. God's... Um, Romans eight twenty eight. you know, uh, God can work all things together for good. So oftentimes we look at all the lousy stuff and say, okay, well, um, lousy stuff, lousy stuff, God make it good, instead of saying, wait, God is the centerpiece of that verse. You right. know, our focus needs to be on him, not so much on the circumstance, the way I see it. Well, you know, it, there is a certain logic to this, and I know that a lot of people don't like talking logic, especially as it relates to pain and suffering and questions and doubts and such, but I've always taken kind of a logical left brain analytical approach to this. And to me, it's very simple. If there's something that God does or doesn't do that I disagree with in any way that doesn't make sense to me, that I say, well, I would do this differently, okay? Uh, there's only one of two options. Either I'm right and God's wrong or God's right and I'm wrong. I mean, there's really a binary basic reality to this. There's not a third option. Either I'm right and he's wrong or he's right and I'm wrong. And so now logically... Can we really say that God, the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe who created and designed our brains, that we actually know more than him and can judge him in a particular area? To me, that just does not make logical sense. Uh, it seems that we must accept the fact that we're looking through glass darkly. We see a limited amount of the big picture, the whole story, and I have no doubt that someday in heaven we're going to smack our foreheads and go, now I see why all of that suffering made sense, but it sure makes made no sense to me at the time. Uh, and we're just about out of time, but Neil, I kind of want to toss this over to you to, to put a cap on it for us. Uh, we are going to have these kind of conversations with people during the holidays, and we want them to see that God really is a good and a loving God, but he's also a God that we can trust, even if Things don't always make sense to us. 
Yeah, and you know, a real current example of what you're describing, Toby Mac just recently buried right. his son Truett, and of course the family suffering in the loss of their oldest son, and yet even in the midst of that, he talked about the blessing that they've received and that they got to experience community as it should be, the body at its best, he said. How God must be pleased by that. And they were talking about those things with grateful and thankful hearts. I mean, none of this is easy to describe, uh, in other words, to, uh, to provide answers for. We will one day smack our heads in heaven and understand fully, uh, but we're not God, and his ways are higher than ours. Job, you know, said so eloquently that God is given and God is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think we have the opportunity as believers to demonstrate walking by faith and not by sight, trusting that God is good in spite of what happens here on planet Earth. And I just, I want to also say uh, how grateful I am for you three guys, because I wasn't a huge fan of the idea that I'd have one more thing to do every week with the National <laughs> Crawford Roundtable. But I, really, I wasn't the only one thinking that. <laughs> no, no, I, okay, I'm, I'm just coming clean, but All you right. know what? It, no. it, it was, seemed kind of painful at the beginning, but I also yeah. realize how you guys have helped to sharpen me in so many ways, and boy, did I need some sharpening, so I'm grateful for that. But God is good. He loves us. One day there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, and this thing we call life on planet Earth, as hard as it is right now, is just temporary. So that day is coming, and we look forward with great hope to spending time with God in eternity and knowing that our future is secure in Him. Mm, great cap for this broadcast. Uh, folks, it is the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Don't forget you can download this podcast and all podcasts in the archives and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. It's available at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Of course, you can go to, online to CrawfordBroadcasting.com. And Neil Boron out of Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from Southern California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It, it's always great catching up with you guys once a week. Have a great Thanksgiving. Looking forward to spending next week with you as well. Likewise, Thanks, Bob. Guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, guys. Bob. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving everybody. everybody. You bet. We'll see you. God bless everybody. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.